We're back. Fellow Cats season two starts now. It was a long summer. I had hoped to maybe sneak a couple of episodes in, but nobody was really around, and I spent the summer chained to my desk writing a dissertation. Never got around to it. But fear not. We have an episode for you this month and are planning for more all throughout the 2023-24 academic year. This episode is actually with a former UVM student. Liam O'Connor Genero, class of 2021, teamed up with UVM TV last April to screen his feature length film shot entirely in Vermont called The Butterfly Queen. It's a movie that's not easy to categorize, though Liam gives it a shot, uh, but there are definitely elements of fantasy in there as well as themes of friendship and queerness. It's really well done, and Liam has managed to get it placed in a variety of film festivals, including ones in Chicago, Tampa Bay, and Cincinnati. We screened the film in Brennan's Pub. And afterwards, he gave me a few minutes to talk about the film itself, the challenges of making a feature film on a small budget, and what it's like to produce media in rural Vermont. Here's my conversation with Liam O'Connor, General. So Liam O'Connor, General, class of 2021. That's correct. You wrote and directed a feature film. I did. How does that feel? It's, I mean, it's a bit surreal for sure. Um, I would say that it it's becoming more and more real the more people actually watch it. You know, right. once once it's done and it's just sort of me me and the other editor staring at it. It's like, is this real? Do we actually do anything? But <laughs> right. especially yet yeah, tonight, short screening it at UVM and being like, yeah, yeah, this is actual people who have gotten to experience the film, and it's been really really rewarding to do that. It's called the Butterfly Queen. And that's why we're here. So I want to get to that first. We screened it tonight at Brennan's. Uh, UVM TV sponsored it. Um, and tell me about about the some of the influences that we can see in the film and the themes of the film and just that sort of part of it. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, the Butterfly Queen is a queer rural fantasy adventure. Right. But there's so many of those. They're like Marvel movies. I mean, there's just so many of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, they're out the door with those. Um, yeah, so it follows a, um, a small town non-binary sheep farmer slash cartoonist mm-hmm. um, and their reckless best friend who have to break into the Butterfly Queen's nightmare dimension to steal back a sketchbook. So, you know, it's a pretty standard run-of-the-mill story. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, it has, it is it is it is proper fantasy. You know, it has swords and 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 magic in it. Um, but it's very grounded in a real sense of reality and and human psychology. And really, with this story, what I wanted to do was tell um, tell a friendship love story. You know, like there's a lot of movies out there that. Um, that say this is what true romantic love is like. This is, you know, this mm-hmm. is the experience of true love. And um, there are not that many films that do that for friendship that are really like, this is what having a best friend, this is the struggles and the hardship and the heartache and like the rewardingness of, uh, and the effort that a friendship like that can really take. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of movies that are buddy films where the friendship is kind of taken for granted and then they do hijinks together. Whereas this movie is really like a fantasy story that pivots on, the growth and and fostering of this really intense best friendship. What made you want to explore that theme? And especially from a queer standpoint, what if you can talk about what interested you about that or what inspired you in that way? Right. Um, so the, I mean, I have some really 
just really strong friendships from my childhood. Um, and, and actually a lot of what's in the film is my relationship with my two, two younger siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's two, two main characters that are having a friendship in the film. And a lot of times they're like, you know, in many ways, avatars of, of my two siblings. Um, and, and so I, I thought that there was, there's a lot for me to draw upon in terms of my experience with friendship. Um, and in terms of, the story having a queer sensibility or, you know, I like to talk, say that it, it is a fantasy friendship story that features queer characters. Mm. Um, and yeah, honestly, the, the, the lead character is, is a non-binary person because, um, my really good friend, Cade Pintado, um, who I did a, did a year at Emerson with, um, is a really good actor and I really wanted to, to work with them and cast them as a lead here. And, right. and they, they're a non-binary performer. And so it was like, well, let's make this character non-binary. Right. And, and so the script was originally written without, like without using any pronouns for any of the characters, you know, not even they, them pronouns to sort of abstract gender out of my thought process about writing the story. Um, so that then the performers that we found to actually play the roles could be cast and shape the story in the you know in as, as people their own way and so that then it wasn't like you know all right we're going to tell a story about like two boys being friends because there's a way that that goes in your mm. head so yeah. i really wanted to make a point of keeping gender out of the character's experiences up until we actually cast it right so i guess you, i'm really interested in this friendship piece <laughs> of it it feels like you think that that's an underexplored area of human psychology of course we know there's tons of romance movies about romantic love and movies, as you say, where friendship, there's a friendship at the center, but it's just sort of a vehicle for hijinks, as you say. But mm -hmm. this is an attempt to really explore the psychology of friendship in an interesting way. Yeah. And I, w I had an interesting conversation with somebody um, at a screening the other day where, you know, they were bringing up, like, can you, can you focus, can you truly focus on, like, your passion uh, in this case, art, you know, the, the main character is a cartoonist. Can you really focus on your art and your friendships equally? Are those two things that you can mm -hmm. devote equal energy to, or do you have to prioritize one? Um, and I think that the message of the film or the theme that, I, you know, we're really trying to explore and get across is that you have to, you have to be true to yourself and, and be the kind of person that you want to be and make the choices that you feel like you need to make. Um, and that, um, the, you also need to be able to accept that about the people that are close to you in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that we are always changing as people as we grow up. Um, and this, this story really centers around some characters that start out as, as teenagers just graduating high school and we follow them for, for five years or so. And so mm -hmm. that, that is a pretty pivotal pivotal moment in people's lives, um, but every moment before or after that is equally pivotal. And so I think what I wanted to get across is that friendship is something that needs to grow along with the, the people who are the friends, right? Like you cannot, right. you cannot take a best friendship for granted and let it sit on the shelf and be like, well, I'll still be friends with that person in 10 years because nothing's gonna change. It needs to grow just along the same as, same as we all need to grow as people. That's true. I'm interested in your media making experience at UVM. Um, 
not a school with uh, a, fi a fi there's a film and television studies major, but that's more of a, of, tends to be more theoretical or analytical, kind of a media studies major. Not a f there's no filmmaking school. There's no mass media school here. Right. Um, but there is a lot of media making going on. I'm, I'm wondering what your experience was at UVM as someone who I assume at the time had a sort of nascent or growing interest in this as some, something you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. So I, um, like I, like I mentioned, I did do, I did a year at Emerson college in Boston, you know, mm -hmm. specifically studying film, um, after that was the first place I went after high school, um, and dropped out and, and made a movie with some of the people I met there. And then many years later, I think three years later, I transferred to UVM and went back yeah. to school. Okay. Um, and at UVM, I really, I would say the media making that I really focused on at UVM was storytelling and perfecting that kind of writing craft. Mm -hmm. So I took, um, you know, I took playwriting classes. I took creative writing classes. I really dug into like the English and theater elements of storytelling and how those relate to film. Mm -hmm. um, and I, um, and I would say that that the media making that I got out of of UVM is really the the strength and creativity of the other UVM folks, other UVM students that I met and who ended up working on the project, like our producer and art director, Shauna Testa, was is a mechanical engineer um, from <laughs> UVM. Um, but but they like, you know, in many ways, like made the production happen, certainly made all of the art department what it is. Um, and then Helena Vercezzi is another UVM grad who at the time was, I think, a sophomore when we started working on the project. And um, yeah, I think I think Helena went for computer science. So like not arts UVM right. people, but those were the ones who like really came came alive and, and Helena was our head of our costumes and makeup and like created some really fantastic pieces, which you should watch the movie and see. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you get out of school and you're making media in Vermont. Are you from Rygate? Because the farm in the movie is the farm you grew up on. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I was okay. born born and raised in Rygate, Vermont. Which I don't is, even know where Rygate yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. it's um, it's the bottom of the Northeast Kingdom, okay. which uh, to be very specific, it's halfway between St. Johnsbury and Hanover. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what was that like? I try to tell my students, you know, I'm so old. Like when I got into television and and doing media, you, the idea was you, you pack your bags, you know, or you put your, your, you know, and you get on a bus and you go to New York or Los Angeles or something. And that was kind of the only way to do that. And that it's not that way anymore. And I think actually the pandemic might've even accelerated this slightly. We see things now like the Vermont production collective. Um, there's people that have moved to Vermont that work in these spaces that can kind of work a little bit remotely and find Vermont a good place to live in. And I try to tell students that like, you can do this stuff right here. Is that your experience that it's getting easier that there's, there's a community for this stuff now in Vermont? I would definitely say over the, even just the past two years, it's become like when we, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't say when we started working on the project because it's been 20, since 2017, we've been working right. on the project, but two years mm -hmm. ago when things were really, you know, in earnest, um, it, it did feel a little bit like we were, you know, in a, in a bit of a vacuum. Um, and even just two years on, yeah, like you were saying, there's a Vermont production collective. Um, 
the Vermont Arts Council has been doing a lot of work to engage people and just try to keep try to keep artists in the state connected. Um, the um, uh, totally forgot what I was going to say <laughs> in terms of the acronym, but the um, VTIF. The, yeah, yeah, the Vermont International Film Festival is fantastic. Yeah. The Made Here Fest right. is yep. getting bigger every year. That's the sort of the New England and Quebec branch of um, VTIF, and that happens in the spring. Um, and so there, and and another thing that we really discovered um, over the past couple of months screening the film around the state is that there are a lot of independent movie theaters and other, mm. you know, traditional and non-traditional performing arts venues that are really, I don't want to even want to say hungry, but just like very excited about local content. And so anything that is produced here is going to have, you know, access to an audience. Like they're, they're, mm. the audience is out there. Um, and I think that that's something that's sometimes hard to see or hard to remember. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and there is a really strong, there is a really strong character here. And, and one thing I will say about having made, you know, a, a decently sized indie feature here in the state is that there are many things that make it more difficult than shooting in like New York or LA, uh, mm. you know, harder, harder access to uh, equipment resources. And, um, you know, you can't just like call up a, 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 an agency and have them send over five PAs that afternoon. <laughs> right. um, but what there is here that doesn't exist many other places is like a community-based handshake experience of filmmaking. Um, mm. Like we, I filmed a, a feature, the feature right after Emerson, where we needed to film in a quarry. Um, uh, and it was an active quarry, which for those of you who don't know, is basically like an open pit mine for rocks, right? right? It's like a right. pretty, pretty serious industrial site. Um, and we wanted to shoot there. And so I drove halfway across the state to the offices of the guy who owned the place and I was like I would like to film my uh, my rock opera in your quarry and he was like okay you can do that and he did not ask me to you know get insurance, insurance. or to pay <laughs> him anything he just said you can film there on weekends when we're not there um, and if anyone gets hurt and you try to sue me I'll kill you <laughs> right. And I was like, you know, that's that's totally fair. And he was incredibly like one of his guys came over and like bulldozed a path for us to actually shoot with. Wow. And it was incredibly helpful and it was a fantastic production value. And you never would have been able to pull that off. Like the quarry outside Atlanta that you see in um, in Stranger Things and um, uh, I can do this one Walking Dead and a whole bunch of other stuff that's yeah. filmed out around Atlanta has this beautiful quarry in it. There's a lot more red tape to film in that quarry yes, than the one that we shot in. Yeah. So. Last question. Um, I deal with a lot of, in my media, being a student media advisor, a lot of issues around students managing peers and the challenges mm -hmm. of that. You're a young guy. I don't know how, 20, how old are you? I'm, I, I'm 28. 28. 28 yeah. I'm assuming most of the people in this film working on it were your age, maybe a little bit younger, a little bit older. What are yeah. and, yet, and being a director is you're the boss, really, in a lot of ways. How challenging was it to assert yourself in those situations when um, you needed to? Yeah, I think that. I think that my actual experience, I, I is that I had a relatively. Um, easy time asserting myself and sort of being the voice, like the creative voice um, on the project. And people would respect that because I think that there's a lot of like, 
oh yeah, exciting to have a director with a creative vision. You know, right, I, right. I think that, that that did work out in terms of of getting across story elements um, in trying to communicate the realities of like the hard the hard nitty gritty of like how we were going to have to do the shoot that was a little bit more difficult i think to get expectations all on the same page of like yeah six days a week is going to get really hard after day five um and certainly after week five and so just keeping up morale was difficult and i do think that there was an element of i think and i think this is this is an an expectation and perhaps education thing is you know we're all of us were relatively inexperienced working on this project and um in everyone's head there's the idea of like oh yep the director is in charge the director is the boss but there isn't a framework in many people's brains for the rest of the structure of a film set like that's Mm -hmm. not an intuitive thing that's known and so making the hierarchy of no you have to listen to this person they actually know a lot about the thing that we're doing right now getting that across was much more difficult it became everyone was like of course we have to listen to liam but then they didn't really know which of the other people really they right. needed to listen to for other other aspects. And that, that was hard to communicate. Liam, thanks for talking to me and good luck with the film. Thank you so very much. I forgot how great a conversation that was. And I'm sort of sorry it took us this long to release it. But it's great inf- inspiration, actually, for the coming semester and a reminder that there are people making media right here in Vermont. Great people doing great work like Liam. If you're interested in media at UVM, you can email me at alric at uvm.edu, A-E-L-R-I-C-K at uvm.edu, or reach out to one of our student media groups, The Cynic, WRUV, or UVM TV. You can find them all online. We'll be back next month with an all-new episode, one we hope to feature on a regular basis. We're calling it Fellow Cats at the Movies, and I'll be joined by a handful of students from the UVM student media groups to talk about a film about media. Next month, we're watching and discussing The Truman Show with Jim Carrey from 1998, a prescient film kind of about social media made before there was such a thing as social media. Until then, farewell, fellow cats. Mm-hmm.